Are you feeling isolated and alone in private practice? Are you looking for ways to find your tribe or a like-minded community? In today's episode, we'll be talking about the importance of community and connection for therapists. Stay tuned and see how you can do this today. This is Holistic Counseling, the podcast for mental health therapists who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and build their practice with confidence. I'm your host, Chris McDonald, licensed therapist. I am so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the importance of community for therapists, how to create this for yourself, and develop connections with other therapists to help support your overall mental health. Today's guest is Lisa Savignon. She is trained in EMDR, brain spotting, somatic trauma therapy, polyvagal and attachment theories. Because of her passion for continuing education, Lisa began learning about the continuing education field and recently bought Therapeutic Perspective, a podcast and NBCC-approved continuing education provider. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Hi, thank you. So what was your journey from education to private practice? Can you share with my listeners? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I began my career as a teacher, but always with the intent of being an LPC. And so my first year teaching, I also was in my first year of grad school. Upon completing my master's, I initially worked as a school counselor and then decided I was definitely ready. It was time. I think I might have even stayed a little too long. And I went to what was termed as a private practice, but it served a great deal more as community mental health style, agency style. I started there briefly and then went straight into private practice. I did hybrid. Um, This was, oh my gosh, well, well before the pandemic. So I did do telehealth before telehealth was really a thing and in, in person as well. And I just found that I loved telehealth. So um, now I'm 100% um, virtual. All of my sessions are telehealth and that's it. See, there you go. I love it. It's wonderful. (laughs) Yes. So it was, it was a learning experience, definitely. And I wish that there had been, you know, we offer courses for things like this now, and there are so many people that offer courses. I really wish something like that existed when I started because it's such a huge learning curve. And and I feel like I was blessed. There was there was a wonderful LPC friend of mine who was also a school counselor that, you know, definitely gave me some pointers and we worked together. But I feel like for the most part, we figure it out on our own, you know, lots of late night Google searches and and just trying to to figure out, you know, what's best for our practice and how to set it up. But it was it was a labor of love. I've absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm so thankful that I did it every day. I'm thankful that I did that I did this. Yeah. So is that what made you move to be a continuing education provider? Because you didn't have the resource. Because I know I didn't either. I'm old school, man. I had a paper book to help start my practice. Uh (laughs) Yep. So I, I, well, my master's, I think I completed my master's in in 07, I want to say. And so literally I had binders. They're actually still up there in a cabinet of things to do. And then when I learned how to go into private practice, same thing, I was writing like hand notes in spirals. Part of going into continuing education, I think was my journey as a teacher, you know, in, in Texas, which is where I'm at, 
two years of teaching is required to be a school counselor. And so I did those two years while I was completing the training to be an LPC and a school counselor. And, and I discovered that I love it. And I actually started a group for school counselors back in 07 and started out as an email listserv where I would just send, anytime I found a resource, I shared it with everybody. I felt like if I love this and this is great for me, others will love it and benefit from it too. Eventually that turned into a website that then became a Facebook and it was a very active group. And I loved sharing resources and teaching people how to do things. And then when I went into private practice, I learned myself and created my own community, which predated my continuing education business purchase and found myself doing free like lunch and learn virtual workshops and planning those out and inviting people, having the community, learning together. That's sort of what led me into the continuing education field. I started just basically as a passion and searching for my own community, my group, my people. And, and through that, somehow it just became me planning all these things and found, wow, here's that teacher part of me that gets to be present in this. And, and I love it. It's, it goes so well with so many aspects of my personality. I'm very much an organized person. I love being detail-oriented. And, and I really love sharing knowledge and things that I'm excited about and passionate about with other clinicians. So have you struggled with isolation and private practice? Yes. So I, and I think more so in the more recent years before I started the therapeutic perspective community, but initially I started my practice. And like I mentioned, I'm a very good friend of mine who's still my friend today. We lived fairly close to each other. And so we were able to see each other from time to time and bounce ideas off each other, both being former school counselors, you know, moving into this field. But then my husband's job moved us to Arkansas for a period of time. And there I was, a virtual, you know, a telehealth provider all alone in a new state. I didn't know any other clinicians in the area at that time. And it was very isolating. We later moved again. And so same experience. And so I learned if I want my community. For me, that may be a virtual community and it may look different than what, you know, traditional in-person meeting, you know, having coffee and being together. It may look different than that, but it allowed me to build something that worked for me and for other clinicians because it was, was so lonely during those years, you know, the moves and being a solo practitioner, being telehealth. Definitely. I found it very isolating and coming from education you know, we had our people right there. There were always other educators, teachers, school counselors, diagnosticians, school psychologists, administrators, people to bounce things off from and just interact with and celebrate with. And that sort of goes away when you're a solo provider. And so when I recognized that need, I went looking for it. And when I didn't find anything that really suited that specific purpose, I made my own. So why is it important for our listeners Mostly our therapists, not all, but need to be part of a community. Why, why do you think that's important? Oh, wow. There are so many reasons. I'll start by saying reduction of burnout. I really feel like the community support, the ability just to be, um, and it's giving away the type of provider I am, but just, just to be in that space, in that container with them. For me, it's stress reducing. It reduces burnout. We share um, joyous moments. We celebrate one another. We provide support. We answer questions. So I, I think it not only is just that burnout reduction, 
but the opportunity to meet like-minded clinicians and to learn from one another because sometimes someone comes in with an approach that we're not at all familiar with, especially having graduated in 2007. So we learn and we grow. And I just feel like that interaction, you know, the support, the closeness, that community, it, it really helps to reduce the stress of the job. It, it you know, staves off that loneliness and it allows us to feel connected in the work that we do and understood. And overall, yeah, it, it's great for reducing burnout. I, I love it. I'm very passionate about it. I, I think can you can tell. Because <laughs> yeah. I think it can also lead to compassion fatigue too. Yes. Not just burnout. That's the other piece of this. I know for me, because I work with trauma as well as I know you do, it can be sometimes that I just get this, I don't even know how to describe it, like in this restlessness, if I don't connect enough with other people, besides my husband and my cat were home. Yes. Besides this, I need other clinicians who, who understand, who get it. And to be able to have that that time with them, even if for me, it's like going out to lunch with someone, connecting another group or something, because it, it just can lead to depression too. I noticed that I would get, my mood would be affected. Even anxiety, it's like, wait, I just had the session. I don't know what just happened. It did not go well. I don't feel well about it, but who am I going to talk to? I don't have anyone's door to knock on. So I think that that's the other piece is there can be some mental health problems that can come up from being too isolated. I would agree. Yes. And and I do think, like you said, in the work that we do and in the work I think that most clinicians do, compassion fatigue is real. And I find checking in, like you said, with other clinicians and also humor. I mean, sometimes I will post just silly posts on my page or in my group. I've seen some of your cat as yes. well in there. Like, and I think I saw one of your Peloton in there too. So just, just this fun, lighthearted, hey, here's something else we can connect over. So we have the opportunity to connect on an intimate level. And if we're not quite in that space yet, then we have some other things there available to us in the group. And then we can reach out and communicate and say, hey, this didn't feel right to me. I mean, even when I came on today, I said, okay, I'm shaking off. I just came out of session. I'm just taking a moment to breathe and shake that off and, and then move into this space with you. And I needed that, that moment with you, even just to breathe was beautiful. And I think giving ourselves those moments during the day of self-care, but I love what you said about posting funny things, but I think it goes back to us as holistic people. We are not just therapists. Absolutely. There, there's so much other parts to us. And I think we can forget that during the workday. So I think those reminders too, to keep some things like art, especially if you're dealing with some heavy issues, like I know you mentioned you work a lot with borderline personality disorders. Can you tell me about self-care for that? I imagine that you, you have to really take care of yourself. To That's a great question. Yes. So I'll start by saying, yeah, I, I do. I work with adult survivors of childhood abuse, neglect, and abandonment, as well as sexual trauma survivors. Um, typically, my people that I may encounter, we may work with some borderline personality disorder, you know, CPTSD and PTSD. That's my entire specialty right there. And I love it. But yes, it can be draining and you need those moments where I need peace. And so like you, I'll be honest, I have a Peloton. Um, I am a registered yoga teacher. I'm a huge fan of uh, yoga nidra, the breathing, um, yin yoga. So I like my slow flow, holding that pose a little longer. And I've actually even been using some, I, and I don't know if they're calling it somatic yoga or if they're just calling it somatic release, but their posture is designed specifically for releasing that fight or flight system within our body. 
And um, for me in particular, that's typically the psoas muscle, as well as, you know, bringing those shoulders up towards the ears and the area between our shoulder blades. So I've been doing a lot of somatic gentle releases for those. I do go see a massage therapist as well. But I think for me, honestly, my time in nature is probably the one that I find most beneficial. Going for walks, I'm thankful we have beautiful walking trails here. Um, even going in the backyard, I do play a crystal music bowl and I'm trying to learn sound healing and I find that incredibly helpful for me. In addition to that, I will say that my boundaries, my schedule is my schedule and I have the slots that I have and I honor the time that I'm available to spend in session so that I can be present in my life outside of session. And those are the things that have worked best for me. I know that can be hard to do. But for me, just creating my schedule in advance and saying, hey, this is what's going to work for me and my family and my needs. And sticking with that has been incredibly beneficial for me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of therapists have those boundaries Mm -hmm. initially, but then easily get swayed. Oh, yeah, we want to (laughs) help. We don't keep the strong boundaries all the time. Of course, it depends on how we show up. but, But I think just reminding yourself, too, that we all have limited energy staying. And if you're letting people, even clients walk all over you and do what they want to do, and it's going to drain you. Yes, yes. We're going to leave that exhausted and and possibly eventually resentful, which is not what we want. We want to be fully present. And so sometimes that means that maybe at this time, we're not the best provider for this person and some other amazing clinician is available and they can take them. Have you been wanting to integrate breathwork into your sessions, but are unsure how? Or maybe you already use some now and are wanting to refine your skills. Join me for my upcoming webinar, The Art of Breath, How to Integrate Breathwork Techniques for Effective Therapy Sessions. Discover the science behind conscious breathing and its impact on our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. You'll learn breathwork techniques to enhance relaxation and facilitate emotional release. Uncover strategies for seamlessly integrating breathwork techniques into therapy sessions to maximize their therapeutic benefits. Don't miss out. Early bird price is $75 until Friday, June 23rd, and $85 after that. Come join me online Friday, June 30th from 2.15 to 3.45 p.m. Go to, for more information, hcpodcast.org forward slash breathwork. That's hcpodcast.org forward slash breathwork. See you then. think that it's a good good thing to always remind yourself weekly of that because I know sometimes even for me I know about boundaries I teach boundaries but sometimes I forget Uh uh-huh I understand there are times when I'm swayed where I feel it within me where I'm like okay you've got to remind yourself here's where you're at and you're at your limit and I'm full I I cannot fit anyone else in And, and so I just, you know, I communicate that. And if they're in a position where they want to return when I have more space, great. But otherwise, I I truly believe there are lots of other providers available who can give them what they need. And I provide those referrals. And and I feel like if it's a good fit for me and we're right, it'll work. And if not, they're going to find a wonderful, beautiful relationship with someone else. And that's okay. And I know what you provide. So on your website, you say community consultation and continuing ed. So the three C's. Yes, so, that's, exact, that's exactly right. Yes. So tell me about like, what is the support that you offer on there? 
Okay. So in my, so moving out of my practice work and, and into my um, continuing ed work. So I bought an MBCC approved CE provider with the understanding that I was going to be um, adding to it and shifting it. And so now what's available there, um, currently we have um, several NBCC approved CE courses, pod courses, um, many of which have both video and audio. Some are audio only. Moving forward, those will be both video and audio to allow um, comfort for, you know, whoever the listener is or whoever the audience is, that they can receive the information in the way that feels right to them. In addition to the MBCC approved CEs, I also provide a course um, that just started. Yay, I'm really excited about this. That's for transitioning into private practice. And that course really is for people who are planning to start a practice or very, very new to practice who need support in all things private practice. We're looking at every aspect of setting up your system, your telehealth, you know, your HIPAA compliance systems, the pros and cons of whether or not we want to consider insurance, health records, and mindset. I think mindset is a critical piece going into this. When we enter into private practice, I feel like many of us, you know, we go in, there's fear, there's hesitancy, we're nervous about it. And so learning that trust the process, abundance mindset, being open to looking for that right fit for you, those are all things that we address in there as well as like intake prep and getting ready for your first session, um, consultation calls if you choose to go that route, marketing. I love marketing. Marketing is my big thing. So there's a huge section on marketing. So we have a course available basically that covers everything beginning to end to get you ready for um, starting your private practice. And then I have a consult group that starts in May. Um, both are going to be limited to the number of people that we'll be taking. The consult group is more for people who maybe we've started our private practice, but we're noticing some areas that we're struggling. We need some improvements maybe in marketing or our systems are not flowing. We're not, you know, attracting the clients that we thought we should. So we need to go back and retune some of that. And we also were looking for mentorship and community. Community is a big piece there too. And um, so that's what the consultation group is for. And that kicks off May 26th. It runs all summer, bi-weekly, every other Friday, basically. I think there's some holidays in there too. Um, but we meet and um, live and we discuss pre predetermined topics, things that I go in with, but a lot of space for their questions, their needs, their individual experience. And they get the benefit of me, an experienced clinician, but also the beautiful part is the benefit of other clinicians that are having similar experiences. They're at the same place in their practice that can also give feedback. So I'm very excited about that one as well. Yeah, that's so what about therapists who are listening that maybe won't be able to join one of your groups? So what do you recommend that they do either online or locally to feel more connected? Yes. Okay. So I'll start with online. I have, if you go to Facebook, I have uh, multiple therapeutic perspective communities. You're going to find two therapeutic perspective for educators, which is going to be your school counselors. 
So if you're currently a school counselor, maybe you are, you are not planning to go into private practice. I have a group for you and we are very interactive. Um, we share resources there that are totally free. We talk things through. I go in and respond to questions all the time. And then if you're a licensed, pre-licensed or a grad school student who's heading towards being licensed as a mental health provider, we have um, the Therapeutic Perspective community on Facebook as well. And that's the same idea. I feel like that one might be even more interactive. The goal being that you can post your questions directly to the groups. Um, we engage in conversation. We talk about topics that we need to be working on as a group. We post marketing materials. We have Marketing Monday and the goal there is to encourage you to be seen, to share your practice stuff, to share your therapeutic related products, to be there present in community and in a supportive community. So we pride ourselves on being incredibly supportive and kind and welcoming to all new members. And I believe right now that group has between 13 or 1400 members. The one for the school counselor is pretty close to that, about 1400 members. So I recommend both of those, of course. Now, if virtual is not your thing, that's totally okay. I think at that point, looking into your local associations or even posting in some of the social media groups that you're already in and saying, hey, I'm located in this area. I'm looking for my people. I really want to find a group that works for me who's interested in an in-person meetup. And we do do that. My group actually allows that now too. Well, I'll get people will come in and say, how many people are in Denver or who's located in Atlanta? And they create their own in-person meetup as well, which I, I think that's wonderful. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities to go and meet other clinicians and find your supportive group, your community as well. And what I found too is sometimes you got to make your own community doesn't mean you have to start a group, but even just meeting other therapists individually in the area, I think it's wherever you live. Sometimes it can be hit or miss. Sometimes I randomly pick people on psychology today and say, hey, <laughs> do you want to connect sometime? But honestly, I've had a lot of people, I've had a lot of cool people that way. And that's where I can create communities. I always have time to go to a consultation group or something else. But I think also networking and looking at that as making friends. I know a lot of people have a negative connotation towards not paying and want to market. Yeah. So I know that can happen to a lot of people, but to really reframe that and just see it as conversation that we're getting to know each other. And I've met some amazing friends from networking, friends I still have to this day. So I just think creating it wherever you're, I know some people might live in rural areas. That makes it tougher too. That's when online might be a better option, but, but just, you know, really being open-minded about looking what's out there for you and local Facebook groups if you're not in those. But I know some people, I was shocked I met somebody out at my holistic happy hour was not on Facebook at all. <laughs> I'm like, you have to join some of these Facebook groups for therapists. And I think it's so important that we have these connections. And, and I feel like it has to be every, sometimes text friends, other therapist friends, or connect through my group or you know, it's, it's just so important. And I, I will say I agree entirely. I mean, I've, like I've mentioned, the friend that I met initially, we're still friends. And I mean, it depends on the day, but I would say we speak at least five to seven times a day. So just that check-in. And then in the, the beautiful group that I made, there's another wonderful clinician in there that she and I clicked. And um, so I got a friend from the virtual one as well. 
And yeah, I think we do give networking a negative connotation. So when I say in my group networking, think more social, get to know each other, friends sort of stuff. I even sponsor a um, coffee with counselors that's totally free. That's, you know, basically when I see enough people are interested, we plan one. And what we do is we just sit down and, and just be with each other. There's no forced conversation. You do not have to market anything. You just get to be with other clinicians. And if you find a clinician buddy or two that you want to meet with outside of Coffee with a Counselor, go for it. That's that's the whole point is for everybody to find their community and have the opportunity to be safe and heard in a space that feels right to them, whether it's my Facebook group or something outside of it or some combination of awesome. I love that. I know people say, I don't have time. You know, what, what would you say to that, that therapist that mentions some, some of these things that get in the way, these obstacles? Yes. Okay, so... I'll start by saying I I own two businesses and y'all, I'll be honest with you. And there's a Texas thing right there. I'm a native Californian that's transplanted to Texas. So I do have some Texas isms coming up. I would say why I think it's really important to make the time. I do. But I also believe there is such a thing. Time is finite. I mean, we don't have it. We think of it as forever, but really there's only so many hours in the day. And so you may have to get creative with the way you communicate. I will tell you that um, my sweet, sweet friend, she and I, Marco Polo, that's how we communicate with one another, which is an app where you just video back and forth. And we're not, half the time we're not even discussing therapy. We're talking about whatever needs, we just... Oh, being with one another. So that's an option. Texting is an option. If you don't have time, like I don't know that right now I could find time to go out and have lunch. Messaging on Facebook is also an option. Being able to find creative ways to connect with one or two people, even if it's email. I mean, when I started my first group, it was old fashioned listserv, you know, through an email. So I think it's just finding a way that works for you. I will say, even if it's only five to 10 minutes a day, the benefit really outweighs it. And I find when I'm connecting with my therapist friends and joking, you know, before session or while I'm, for instance, I do my hair and makeup. And during that time, I'm recording uh, Marco Polo for my friend to see. And when I come out of session, I know there'll be one waiting for me. Those beautiful interactions, the humor, the time, the fun, it really helps me to feel present in session, more motivated. My mood is elevated. And to me, it's worth it. So finding the time is difficult. And you are worth it. Listen. Thank you. To do this, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, to do this for yourself. You know, yes. if, if you're not connecting at all, just I think that might be time for some self-reflection. Yes. How can I make this a priority? And what am I experiencing as a result of not connecting with others? What's happening to me? What am I noticing in my life? What am I noticing internally within my body? Where am I at? Where's my mood? This is hard work we're doing, no matter what population you work with. Yes. That really can be draining. I find that when I connect with someone, like you said, even if it's a few minutes on text, that I just, it kind of lights me up a little bit. And sometimes it helps too, because I was in my holistic counseling and self-care Facebook group. And I was telling people like anyone else had like a lot of cancellations this week. I had eight mm-hmm. last I week. That, that was post. a record for me. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's just nice to have that free space to say, anyone else experiences? Oh my God, is it just me? And guess what? It's not just you. No matter what is happening in your practice, that there's probably other therapists out there that can connect and validate. And that kind of feels like, oh, so it's not just me. I feel a little it's bit not better. Me. And, 
I'm not doing anything wrong. It's, it's, this is universal. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah that, that isn't that universality going back to Yalom in grad school. I think that, that, that is so powerful to, to know that we're not alone. Same as clients, right? Therapists, we're, we all have similar struggles. That can just be therapeutic in itself. Yeah, we're human and we're allowed to be human. I wanted to ask you one clinical question, if that's okay. Oh, I know you mentioned nervous system resets that you use with clients. So I, I'm guessing a lot of listeners might be interested in that as well. So can you share what that is? Yes, 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 I'll share. Couple things to keep in mind when you're using nervous system resets with your clients is that you want to be aware um, of any medical conditions. For instance, if they have low blood pressure, pregnancy, if there's medical conditions that may lead to dizziness, um, you also want to keep an eye on them when they stand to make sure that they're not experiencing dizziness. And that's really with any of these techniques that we're going to do. Um, the one that I'm going to share with you today is a personal favorite. I learned it from Linda Tai's somatic embodiment um, certification training, which uh, I mean, just even just being in her presence in the courses is incredibly regulating for the nervous system. So I utilize many in session, you know, because of the population that I work with, there is a tendency to arrive in session feeling dysregulated or overwhelmed because they may be experiencing a lot in life outside of session. And so when we come in, you know, if we're not in a place to do the work, we'll work on regulating. And so I'm going to give you one. I recommend for our therapists listening that you practice this yourself and see how it feels and notice it before you teach it. This would be considered a higher level technique. So we want to be aware of that. So here's what we're going to do. This is a very quick nervous system reset. So if we're coming in and we're feeling overwhelmed, dysregulated, panic, when we're kind of scattered and all over the place. And we're looking for a way to help our client come into their body, be regulated and develop just a quick sense of safety. So you start by facing completely forward. Okay, so here we are, forward facing. And then we're actually gonna, without moving our face, turn our gaze first towards three o'clock. So your three o'clock, not my three o'clock. And what you're going to notice could be anything from the desire to yawn. Um, some people do have the desire to burp. That's okay. It's just the relaxation of your body right here. Other people feel just a, okay, uh, a release, a let go, which is my personal experience. And there is a likelihood that if done repeatedly, your client or yourself will feel tired. So what I do is, I'm just warming my hands here, okay? So we're going to start with our forward gaze, and then you're going to watch me actually do it. So you'll probably see my body language shift a little bit. So I'm going to turn my gaze to three o'clock, and then I'm going to take a moment, pausing forward, and you can already tell my tone is, is slower and lower, okay? So I'm going to repeat the same thing, head faces forward, gaze is going to go to right around nine o'clock now, okay? And so we're going to do the exact same thing. So just take a moment, pause. If you want to even do a breath here, feel free to inhale. So inhale through your nose. Exhale gently like you're blowing through a straw, if that's available to you. And we're just doing a slightly slower exhalation. Um, it's a little longer than your inhalation. And then we're going to go ahead and turn our gaze to nine o'clock. 
For me, it's usually pretty quick. It's not unusual when you first start this to be one, unsure of what you're looking for. So notice, notice shifts in body language. A lot of times those shoulders will release away from the ears. You may even feel your neck tension. Sometimes posture is no longer as straight. So instead, you might just relax your posture. And it's okay in this case to feel your body go just a little inward. We're not going to collapse. We're just going to a little bit inward and just being present within yourself. The sensation that I experience internally is this kind of fluttery and then calm. And it's so calm that often I find myself releasing a breath. Again, your experience may be slightly different. The goal is feeling more calm and regulated. In addition to that, there may be some yawning, some burping, and even a desire to look away to horizon or our pretend horizon just to disconnect from the camera for a moment. And those are all okay. So again, contraindications. We want to make sure our client does not have um, low blood pressure, blood pressure issues, heart issues. We want to keep those in mind. If they experience frizzy, you know, frequent dizziness or even narcolepsy, we want to be aware of those things. And then when you're working with your client, if you're doing a somatic practice, of course, just be aware of when they get up and how they're getting up and make sure there's no dizziness presence. I do use this all the time. I have not had any issues using it in session. I would say I probably use it 10 to 15 times a week. So when do you use it? Like the beginning of a session or is it during? Well, it actually, it varies from client to client. So great question. I will use this if we arrive to session and we are really dysregulated. We're in a state of panic. We're overwhelmed and we've already tried matching the energy level. So they've been going, 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 going. And that panic is just heightening. And then they come to my session and you feel the the weight of that. I will use this to re-regulate them to get them into a place where we can do the work that we need to do. I will also do this at session. If at any time we feel like we're over or at the end of session, we feel over-regulated, over-stimulated, where things are kind of feeling jumbled up, I will just re-regulate them with that. Are you talking about my morning feeling jumbled <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> that was my worry. I feel a little lighter. Thank you. Good. Yay. Yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing that. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorites. Well, I was going to ask you, I know you mentioned that you had a coupon code for listeners for your program. Could you share that? We'll put this in the show notes too. So right now, what I'm offering is the Holistic Podcast 10% off. And that 10% off is actually for my unlimited MBCC approved package. So all of my MBCC approved pod courses right now, I believe they're listed at $69.99. So it'll give you 10% off of that. And you can just redeem it right there on my website. If you go to therapeuticperspective.com, it's holistic podcast, all lowercase, and you will get 10% off of that and unlimited CEs for Thank you. So what's the best way for our listeners to find you and learn more about you? Um, there are several ways. Of course, you can visit the website, but you're not going to get a lot of interaction from me there. However, if you go to my Facebook community, so um, Therapeutic Perspective uh, Clinician Community on Facebook, 
or if you're a school counselor or educator looking to make the jump into private practice, you can go on over to my therapeutic perspective for educators. And that's also a Facebook community and join me there. Those are heavily interactive. Most people speak with me several times a day there. So you can interact with me. You can ask questions. Um, if you're more comfortable via email on my website, there is an email address, which is just contact at therapeuticperspective.com. You're welcome to email me too. Reach out in whatever way feels comfortable. But thanks so much for coming on Holistic Counseling Podcast. Yeah, this was wonderful. I really enjoyed it and I learned so much from my own podcast. So this is great. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. If you're a new listener, I want to say hello. As a listener, you have access to my free nine-part email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor. In this course, you'll explore different holistic modalities, how to boost your confidence as a holistic counselor, and how to manifest your holistic practice. Enhance your holistic journey today and go to holisticcounselingpodcast.com. Scroll down, enter your name and email address today. And this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Till next time, take care. The information in this podcast is for general educational purposes only and is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are giving legal, financial, counseling, or any other kind of professional advice. If you need a professional, please find the right one for you.